Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, the man who calls it right down the middle, Dion Tyree Gordon. Enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work, and there is plenty of work to do. The NFL offseason, the NFL this past week, holy shit, that was awesome. That was everything. That was the most important thing on the planet. That was the center of my universe. Seriously, does it get any better than that? The new league year officially started on March 16th, a few days ago. But you had moves and deals and players on players going to different teams and making decisions all throughout the week. And it started last Sunday with the GOAT, the greatest quarterback of all time, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, announcing he was coming out of retirement. A while ago, someone asked me why I didn't do a podcast about Tom Brady's retirement because I'm such a big Tom Brady fan. I told this person because I didn't believe it. I saw right through it. I didn't really believe it. Number one, he never had a press conference. Typically with a a player, a star of Tom Brady's magnitude, he's going to have an official press conference with his, his family, with Giselle and the kids and Bruce Arians and the coaches and teammates and friends of his, Gronk and Edelman and whoever's going to be there. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be on ESPN and NFL Network as a simulcast. It's going to be on multiple media outlets because this is Tom Brady, and that didn't happen. I never saw an, an official press conference with Tom Brady talking about he was going to retire from the NFL like you saw with Peyton Manning in 2015. I didn't see that. He went on his podcast that he does with Jim Gray, and he said, never say never. The door was always open, and I use Tom Brady's own words that he has spoken several times to articulate why I thought his initial retirement was complete bullshit. Tom Brady's always said that I will not retire. I will retire from football when I feel like I suck, when my skills have diminished, when it looks like I shouldn't be out there. He's always said this. Tom Brady last season threw for 5,316 yards, 43 touchdown passes, and 12 interceptions on a football team that was the second best team by record in the National Football Conference. If you saw Tom Brady play football last season, if you have two functioning working pair of eyes, you did not see a quarterback on the decline. You didn't see a quarterback whose skills have diminished. You did not see a quarterback that sucked 5,316 yards, 43 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions. He's still a top five quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what anyone says. Tom Brady right now, 44 years of age, is still a top five quarterback in the NFL. So why would you walk away? Why would you leave when you can still play this game? He also said years ago he wants to play until he's 50. I believe that. He's 44. He'll be 45 in August. I take him at his word. I believe that. I think Tom Brady's going to play until he's 50 years old. He's shown no signs of slowing down. Once again, going back to Peyton Manning, you know, Peyton Manning was dog shit his last year in the NFL, but that was mostly attributed to a debilitating injury, a neck injury he suffered while with Indianapolis that caused nerve damage that went down his arm and really just destroyed him. It it took away any zip or any power he had in throwing the football, and that's why he was such a weak, noodle-armed quarterback in 2015 that could barely complete a screen pass because he had no power in his arm. He had no arm strength at all. He was barely getting by. 
Peyton Manning in 2015 was getting by off of mental acuity and foot, his, his overall football acumen and just knowing and understanding how to play the game and where to be and where not to be and also relying heavily on that Broncos defense in 2015 that was otherworldly, that was the best defense in pro football that season, and Peyton Manning rode their coattails to a championship, and he knew he couldn't play anymore. He knew his time was up, and that's why he retired after Super Bowl 50 where the Broncos won that Super Bowl, beating Carolina 24-10. But with Tom Brady, you don't see that decline. You don't see a guy who looks like he shouldn't be out there. He's still a top-five quarterback, as I said. You throw for 43 touchdown passes and then just retire? That doesn't make sense. And it's not even just the numbers. I mean, just watching him play. Watch the tape. Watch the film. Evaluate the way he plays football. He still has arm strength. He can still make all the throws down the field, far sideline from the near hash, over the middle, still a lot of zip and accuracy on his passes. He can still play this game, so why would you retire? He retired technically for about 41 days, had a small taste of what it's like to be a regular everyday husband and deal with your wife every fucking day, and he said, no, no mas. I'm going back to playing football. Enough of this shit. She's giving me a honey-do list that's a mile fucking long every day. I, I want no parts of this. I'd rather play football. And why not? God bless him. I don't blame him. So many people hate Tom Brady. I don't understand it. I've said this before. I've said this many times. We live in a country that is riddled with depressing mediocrity. Just so many people in this country that are fucking terrible. Look at the president. Look at Joe Biden. And tell me, if you think that guy is qualified to be the most powerful man on the planet in Western civilization, if you think that guy is qualified based off his own merit to be president of the United States of America, this guy can't even complete a sentence, and he's the most powerful man on the planet. Look at all the celebrities that are idolized and put on a pedestal in this country. People on a daily basis are talking about Kim Kardashian. What is Kim Kardashian famous for? Getting fucked on camera, having a fake ass, being the daughter of a guy who helped O.J. Simpson get away with murder, being a part of the most obnoxious family on the planet. And she's a billionaire. She's a very famous, rich, and successful person. And people talk about her on a daily basis and watch her TV show. That's how mediocre this country is. Someone with no discernible talent whatsoever has built a multi-billion dollar empire, not just for herself, but for the other obnoxious cunts in her family. This is the level of bullshit we accept and tolerate in this country. So for me as a football fan, as someone who appreciates talent and people who are good at things, look at at hip-hop music right now. Look at all the rappers. This is me being an old man yelling at the cloud. But look at all these punk-ass rappers out right now. These guys don't even use words. They literally had to make up a genre of music to describe the bullshit these people put out. Mumble rap. Look at how much we lower the bar for everyone these days. In a world filled with mediocrity, in the National Football League, in the NFL, in football, you have a guy who exudes and exhibits greatness on a daily basis every time he touches the field. You are watching live history the greatest quarterback who ever played football. Every time he steps on the field, you are watching history. And people don't like the guy. I don't understand it. 
a seven-time Super Bowl champion, a five-time Super Bowl MVP, a three-time league MVP. He's thrown for over 600 touchdown passes, over 80,000 yards. This guy's fucking awesome. This is why I love sports so much, because sports is the last true meritocracy in our country. You actually have to be good to play sports. You can't get in the NFL because you have a fake ass and you fuck washed up R&B singers on camera and screw around with NBA basketball players. That's not going to get you in the NFL. You got to actually be a good football player, the best of the best, to make a 53-man roster. I love football. I love sports in general because you actually have to be awesome. And far too often, whether it's entertainment, television, movies, even especially politics. Like I said, look at Joe Biden. Look at every politician not named Bernie Sanders. Look at all of them. Pelosi on both sides, Republican, Democrat. Trump was a piece of shit. Biden is a piece of shit. They're all pieces of shit. In every other capacity, every other mainstream walk of life, you can be absolute shit and still thrive and still be successful. But in the National Football League or the National Basketball Association or Major League Baseball, MMA, UFC especially, you in MMA... You actually got to be able to fight. If you can't fight, you'll get fucked up very quickly. And your career will come to a screeching halt. You will no longer be fighting anymore if you actually can't fight. That's beautiful. I love that. Sports is the only proven ground we have left. Everyone else is all about inclusivity. I'm all about exclusivity. Some people need to be kept out because they suck. So God bless Tom Brady and welcome back to the NFL. Football would not football would not have been the same without Tom Brady. I was thinking about that one day. I was like, am I really prepared to watch an NFL without Tom Brady? I don't think so, man. Keep playing, bro. Go to your 50 years old. I'm rooting for you. I'll support you. Even though you don't play for my team, it's not my fault. It's not your fault. I made a podcast about that three years ago. There was an opportunity for Tom Brady to play for his favorite football team and also my favorite football team. But Kyle Shanahan, in his infinite wisdom, said that Jimmy Garoppolo, more on that scumbag later, was better than Tom Brady. Foolishness, idiocy, dumbass, ignorance, fucking stupid. Welcome back, Tom Brady. Moving on, that was Sunday. Let's go to Monday. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, the Jaguars, to me, that remind me of a guy... He was like 18, 19, maybe 20 years old, still a virgin, hasn't even seen a tit yet, and went to the strip club for the first time in his life and lost his fucking mind, spent all of his money, gave everything he had to bottom-feeder-ass strippers, bitches with C-section scars, gunshot wounds, menstruating on stage, ugly-ass feet. This brother gave four or $500 to those bitches because that was the first time he ever saw a pussy. That's how the Jacksonville Jaguars come across to me. They gave Christian Kirk, a receiver who's never caught over 1,000 yards in his NFL career, they gave Christian Kirk a four-year deal worth $72 million, $37.5 million in guaranteed money with incentives to get the $84 million. Hey, good for him. God bless you. Get your money out. I, I really I hesitate to even speak like this because I don't want to knock a brother for getting his money. Go ahead and get paid. If someone offers you the contract, go ahead and take it. But from the Jaguar standpoint, 
they come across as being desperate. And this is a football team that has struck out in consecutive drafts for years now. And now when you, when you strike out in consecutive drafts, you, you become desperate. You figure, well, I can't draft and develop players, so I'm just going to spend a lot of money. I'm going to overspend to get other pretty decent football players from other teams and bring them in. And that appears to be the strategy for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian Kirk getting that much money for a guy with 17 career touchdown receptions, that caught a lot of people off guard, myself included. But Christian Kirk, good on you. Get your money, live happily and prosperous. Do your thing. I really ain't mad at you. I just had to point out the Jacksonville Jaguars are coming coming across crazy right now because they spent a lot of money on a lot of people trying to – I mean, I understand the motivation behind it. You're trying to give Trevor Lawrence some weapons because he was really depleted um, last season as far as people around. There was a dearth of talent around him last season from the offensive skill position standpoint. And furthermore, this is a franchise that in the past decade – has gone 42 and 119 in the past decade. 42 wins, 119 losses. Y'all suck. They should be banished to the fucking XFL. The Jaguars are garbage. So when you're consistently garbage, you do things like overspend in the offseason. They've they have not been shy about trying to acquire talent. They've spent $259.5 million, including $155.25 million guaranteed on seven free agent pickups. Zay Jones, wide receiver, three years, $24 million, $14 million guaranteed. The aforementioned Christian Kirk, four years, $72 million, $37 million guaranteed. Evan Ingram, tight end, formerly of the New York Giants, one year, $9 million with $8.25 million guaranteed. Offensive guard, Brandon Sheriff, formerly of the Washington Cherry Blossoms. Three years, $49.5 million with $30 million guaranteed. Defensive tackle, Foley Fatukasi. Three years, $30 million, $20 million guaranteed. Fouillet Olukuin, I butchered that fucking name, I apologize. Three years, $45 million with $28 million guaranteed. And, and defensive back, Darius Williams, formerly of the unfortunate Defending Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams, three years, $30 million with $18 million guaranteed. Trent Baalke, former general manager of the 49ers, is trying to turn that thing around down there in Jacksonville. Hey, good luck to them. I have no problem with the Jaguars. I like the Jaguars growing up. I like Mark Brunel, Fred Taylor, Keenan McCardle, Jimmy Smith, Tony Baselli, Carnell Lake played for them. You know, I, I like the Jaguars a little bit growing up. Mark Brunel was like a... AFC dollar store version of Steve Young, left-handed quarterback that can run around and make plays. So, yeah, I was fucking with Jacksonville growing up. I had no issue with Jacksonville. I wish them all the luck in the world. Let's move on to the AFC West, or maybe we should call it the AFC Best, because this is the best division in pro football. This is a murderous row of football teams. All four teams in this division are good football teams. The moves that were made in the AFC West this week, whew, that's, that's impressive. That's very impressive. The Chargers went out and got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson to add to what you already got with Joey Bosa and Derwin James in the back end. You got Khalil Mack on one side and Joey Bosa on the other 
quarterbacks in the AFC West and the AFC in general better get life insurance. It's going to get ugly for someone this season. That's a hell of a pass rush. That is ferocious. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the same team? That's a cheat code. That's not fair. That should be illegal. The fun doesn't stop there. The Denver Broncos added officially this week, made it official, brought in Russell Wilson, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. Thank God he's out of the NFC West and can no longer torture and torment my beloved 49ers. Viacom Dios to you, my friend. Good luck with the Broncos. I'm not mad at that. Like I said, get the fuck out the NFC West. The Broncos, it's been stated many times by myself and many others, were a quarterback away from being really good, from being a problem. They got people over there. They got pieces. You look at offensively, Javante Williams in the backfield and running back, very nice running back coming out of the University of North Carolina, had a very nice rookie season last year. Jerry Judy, first-round pick, did not catch a touchdown pass last season. The majority of the season, he was banged up, had an ankle injury week one versus the Giants, but he played enough games, 10 to be exact, to at least catch one touchdown pass. Last season, Jerry Judy only caught 38 passes for 467 yards and zero touchdown passes. With the addition of Russell Wilson, that should, that will improve because Russell Wilson is a dramatic, a drastic upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. Now the Broncos have a real quarterback. Jerry Judy is a first-round talent. You would think there's something there, along with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. They traded Noah Fant in that deal to acquire Russell Wilson, so now you got a hole at tight end. Should be able to fix that in the draft, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Defensively, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons. I mean, they got, they got some work over there. Pretty good offensive line in Denver. Denver's a good football team. And now they have a quarterback. Now they can, they can compete with Kansas City. They can compete with the Chargers and the Raiders. That, that division is stacked at the quarterback position, the most important position in sports. Mahomes, Herbert, Derek Carr, and now Russell Wilson? The AFC West is going to be a bloodbath. The Raiders acquired Chandler Jones. They lost Yannick Ngakwe. But they added Chandler Jones, who's an upgrade. He's better than Yannick Ngakwe. And oh, by the way, the Raiders were not done. Another blockbuster of the week. They went out and acquired Devontae Adams, who was a former teammate of Derek Carr in college at Fresno State University. They have chemistry. They know each other. A good relationship. Devontae Adams basically became a casualty of the Aaron Rodgers contract. Aaron Rodgers, at the time... Got the highest paid, richest contract for a, a player in NFL history of any football player. And as a result, I mean, it's 53 guys on the roster. You got to pay everyone. You can't just pay Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams, the, the Packers said they were going to franchise him. He said, fuck you. I don't want anything to do with that. So they, they traded him. They got rid of him. He goes to the Raiders on a five-year deal worth $142.5 million. He's now the highest paid receiver in the NFL. He was asking for $30 million per season as a response to DeAndre Hopkins' two-year deal of $54.5 million, uh, the extension he signed with the, uh, with the Cardinals. So Devontae Adams, and rightfully so, wanted to be paid as if he was the best receiver in pro football, and he is. 
Devontae Adams is the best receiver in pro football, and now his contract reflects that. And you, you can't get that in Green Bay when you already got the highest-paid quarterback, the highest-paid player in NFL history at that time. You can't get that contract when you're paying Aaron, Aaron Rodgers $50 million a season, four-year deal, $200 million. There's only so much money to go around. There's going to be casualties of this. Devontae Adams is gone. Zadarius Smith, one of their better players on defense, he's also gone. I can't wait till we get like mid-season, mid to late season, whatever, November, December, and Aaron Rodgers is publicly complaining on the, on the Pat McAfee show, is bitching and moaning about not having enough around him, not having enough weapons. I can't wait for that. That's going to be the funniest thing ever. When you're out there throwing the equanimity of St. Brown and the scattered remains of Julio Jones and whatever's left of Will Fuller, don't, don't say nothing, Aaron. A-A-A, Ron. Just shut the fuck up. Don't say anything. Cry me a river. Do not complain. You could have maintained Devontae Adams if, if you had taken less money. You can't have it both ways. You know why Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls? He consistently took a hometown discount. He always took less money. So you got to, if it's all about the money, then just say that. I have no issue with that. I have, I have no problem with people getting money and keeping their money. I don't care. Make as much money as you possibly can in life. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I'm all about the money, but I also want to win. This is football. There's a salary cap. You got to pick and choose. But back to the AFC West, this division is lethal. Kansas City, oh, by the way, who, who's won this division like five or six years in a row. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say this. I don't know if I'm fully prepared to say what I'm about to say. I think, dare I say... The Kansas City Chiefs are the worst team in their own division in the AFC West. That's a hot take. That's some, that's some Skip Bayless shit. I don't normally like doing that, but I got to say, based on the moves that were made with the other teams inside that division, and based on now, Kansas City did pick up Juju Smith-Schuster, another playmaker to go along with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, Another guy from Mahomes to throw the football to. And the offensive line is still really good, but that defense in Kansas City is a problem. It was a problem last season. They have a problem with rushing the quarterback. They re-signed Frank Clark, who over the past two or three years appears to be diminishing, declining to me. You still have Chris Jones, who's really awesome. You're probably going to lose Tyron Matthew. You've already lost Charverius Ward to my beloved 49ers, your best corner. You know, Kansas City struggled last season playing against top-tier elite offenses. Cincinnati lit them up twice. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had a field day with that Kansas City defense on two separate occasions, one of which was the AFC Championship game. So unless they really do some work in the draft this year, I don't know about KC's defense. And now you look at the people that were added, as I said, on both sides of the ball. Denver also brought in Randy Gregory. Look at the pass rushers in this division. Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Randy Gregory, Chandler Jones, Chris Jones with Kansas City. But you got great football players. Bradley Chubb also with the Denver Broncos. You got great football players and great pass rushers. Teams, teams have identified the areas of need that you have to have to compete for a championship in the NFL it's not just about acquiring free agents. It's about acquiring free agents at certain positions. 
That's how you win. That's the template for success. Look at the Rams. They won because they could rush the passer and they had guys on the back end that could defend. You got to get a great quarterback. You got to have a great pass rush and guys on the back end who can make plays and cause turnovers. That's where the NFL is right now. It's a quarterback-driven league. It's all about the passing game. If you got a great quarterback that can compete and keep up with another great quarterback, you got a chance. It's a fair fight. Denver, for the past couple years, had a pretty good roster, like I said, but it's not a fair fight. When Denver lines up versus Kansas City, Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes. Denver had Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. It's not a fair fight. Same thing when they line up against the Chargers. The Chargers have Justin Herbert, who's a fucking cyborg of an NFL quarterback. In my opinion, a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. Denver had Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. It's not a fair fight. But now you bring in Russell Wilson. Now it's a fair fight. And oh, by the way, you strengthen your defense and your pass rush to go get Justin Herbert and go get Patrick Mahomes and go get Derek Carr. The teams you got to play six times a season, the AFC West is going to be fun. There's no other way to, to describe it. The AFC West is going to be a joy to watch. The level of talent on the field for all four teams, the star power inside that division, the quarterbacks, the pass rushers, the skill position players, the AFC West should and could very easily send three teams to the playoffs. You look at the AFC in general, the, the whole conference, right? You got Josh Allen with Buffalo. You got... The AFC North is no slouch either as far as quarterbacks are concerned. With Lamar Jackson, with Joe Burrow, and now Deshaun Watson, who I'm about to talk about. And oh, by the way, the Pittsburgh Steelers brought in Mitchell Trubisky. So moving on, the AFC South, not a whole lot there. Indianapolis doesn't even have a quarterback. They just let go of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz made it official this week with the Washington Potomacs. And it's concerning when you... First of all, I like Carson Wentz. I've said this many times before on numerous podcasts. I personally think he's a pretty decent quarterback. He did go for 27-7 last year, touchdowns to interception ratio, but it is concerning when not one but two teams have given up on you despite not having a concrete plan at quarterback to replace you, especially in Indianapolis. They have, they have Sam Eilinger. They have nothing else. And they looked at Carson Wentz and said, thanks, but no thanks. We'll find someone else. Who that person is going to be, we don't know. But the fact that they just let go of Carson Wentz, just, he got dealt from Philadelphia to Indianapolis last offseason. Everyone thought this was going to be the fix, the solution that he needed. Reunited with Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017, that Carson had the most success of his career with, when he played MVP caliber football, it just didn't work out last season. And the Colts missed the playoffs, and they had that abysmal Week 18 game versus the horrible Jacksonville Jaguars, and they couldn't win that game, and they couldn't make the playoffs. And this offseason, the Colts made their decision. We're going to trade Carson Wentz. And now he's with the Washington Nation of Domination. We'll see what happens over there, but the AFC in general, in particular the North and the West, is loaded at quarterbacks. The West, as I already said, Mahomes, Herbert, Wilson, Derek Carr, four very good quarterbacks. I can't wait to see these matchups this season from a quarterback standpoint. The laser shows that you're going to be able to watch and witness 
in the AFC this season. Like, if you get a, a Cincinnati-Kansas City rematch, that's Burrow versus Mahomes. You get a Buffalo versus Denver game, that's Josh Allen versus Russell Wilson. You get a Chargers-Browns game, that's Justin Herbert versus the new quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson. Out with Baker Mayfield, in with Deshaun Watson. I wonder who gets custody of all of those progressive commercials. Deshaun Watson this week was traded from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for five draft picks, including first-rounders in 2022, 2023, and 24. The Texans also received a 2023 third and 2024 fourth-round pick, and the Browns added a 2024 fifth-rounder as part of the deal. Watson then agreed to a new five-year contract worth a record-setting, guaranteed $230 million. Five years, $230 million guaranteed. Watson, of course, did not play in the 2021 season. He has not played since 2020 due to being falsely and erroneously accused of sexual assault and sexual misconduct, bullshit allegations from the very beginning. And I'm so happy that it's been proven correct that these allegations were bullshit and false and completely erroneous and that Deshaun Watson's name should not have been sullied and dragged through the mud the way it was. He should not have been disparaged in the way that he was by so many people, by the general public, by media members, etc. Watson was cleared of criminal charges related to the sexual misconduct allegations against him last week by a grand jury in Harris County, Texas. He still faces 22 active civil suits accusing him of sexual assault and sexual misconduct, but the grand jury's decision not to prosecute him eliminated one barrier for teams considering a new deal for Deshaun Watson. So what happens now? Well, when that happened, the conversation now became well, where does he want to go? Because Houston's definitely going to trade him. There's no, you can't bring him back. There's no way that can happen. That bridge has already been burned. They're the ones who tarnished his reputation to begin with. He can't come back to Houston. They got Davis Mills who played good football last season, especially down the stretch towards the end of the season. That's who they're going to go forward with now. Davis Mills at quarterback. So now you got to trade Deshaun Watson. You got to get some assets back in return for him. So where where does he want to go? Or where did he want to go? It was perceived, it was thought of, that he wanted to stay in the South because he's from Gainesville, Georgia, played his college football at Clemson University at Clemson, South Carolina. So the general thought was he's going to stay somewhere in the South and either play for the New Orleans Saints, who still need a quarterback, the Atlanta Falcons was a team that was thrown around. Kyle Pitts went on Twitter and made a tweet about Deshaun Watson, said it was going to be scary hours if Deshaun Watson, he was thinking, he was hoping that Deshaun Watson was going to come and play for his hometown Atlanta Falcons, and then he quickly deleted that tweet, and it never, obviously, didn't happen. The Carolina Panthers also need a quarterback, and Carolina plays in North Carolina, with Clemson, South Carolina being just a little bit further down south, Watson's still very popular in the Carolinas all throughout the South. Played in Houston. That was the conventional wisdom was that he was going to pick a team in the South. Either Carolina, New Orleans, or Atlanta. Nobody saw Cleveland coming. Nobody saw that. 
Baker Mayfield, when it was brought to his attention that the Browns were meeting with Deshaun Watson, wrote a very impassionate letter thanking the Cleveland Browns fans and talking about how much it meant to him to be a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns and how he felt about it. He obviously took it personal. I like Baker Mayfield. I've said that many times on this podcast. I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I root for the guy. I root for people in life who have a chip on their shoulder. And Baker Mayfield, ever since he was in college, he was a walk-on at Oklahoma. He left Texas Tech, went to Norman, Oklahoma to play for the Sooners. And the guy, he's a short guy, a, a, a diminutive quarterback. He's always had a chip on his shoulder. And I appreciate people like that. I like that. I like people who feel like they got to prove something to someone. Baker Mayfield, and this, and the way he handled this whole situation, honestly, came across like a bitch. Just shut the fuck up, dude. Just man up and play better football. You didn't play good football last season. You stunk to join up. You were terrible. Now, you were hurt. I would say also, but that's your fault you were hurt. You threw a pick in week three against the Texans and tried to make a tackle on the interception return and in the process fucked up your shoulder and ruined the Cleveland Browns season as an extension. But still, I mean, it wasn't good last year, Baker. And you have to know this is pro football. This is a business. I think from Baker's standpoint, he's probably thinking, well, I went out there last year. I was hurt. I laid it all on the line. I, I tried to play through injury. I tried to help this team out as best I could. You know, I took, when I was healthy, I led this team to the playoffs two years ago in 2020. Won a playoff game against our hated division rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Scored 48 points in that game. They eviscerated the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game. But it says a lot that Baker did not receive a contract extension coming off that game. Cleveland does not think very highly of Baker Mayfield. And now you see, I mean, that, that's, that should be clear as day to anyone watching, paying attention to this whole situation. He didn't get a contract extension after taking the Browns to the playoffs. And these are the Cleveland Browns we're talking about. This is a team that has struggled to find a quarterback forever. This is a team that's had a litany, a plethora of a, a, a revolving door of quarterbacks going in and out. There's always that famous picture of that guy with a Cleveland Browns jersey with the graveyard of Cleveland Browns quarterbacks in the back of it that is so long it extends past the length of the actual jersey. Like he had to add more names to this list. Well, I guess now you got to add Baker Mayfield's name to that list because he will soon be gone off the Cleveland Browns. He has been replaced. The funny thing is he asked for a trade when he heard about Deshaun Watson meeting with Cleveland and they went out and made this deal, this blockbuster landmark deal to bring in Deshaun Watson and pay him the most money in NFL history. The most guaranteed five years, $230 million. That broke the internet when that news came out. And Baker Mayfield, your time in Cleveland's up, man. I mean, where are you going to go from here? That's Cleveland's discretion as far as where they want to trade you. Now, reports came out saying that Baker preferred to go to Indianapolis is not his decision. It's Cleveland. It's Jimmy Haslam and company. It's their decision as far as where does Baker Mayfield play football at next season. But they've made their decision about where Deshaun Watson is going to play football at next season, and that's Cleveland. Now, this is a it's an interesting trade for a lot of reasons because Deshaun Watson, as great as he is, is 0-3 in games played where the temperature is below 40 degrees. 
The last time he played in Cleveland was a December game about two or three years ago, and the Texans only scored seven points. Like I said, he's a country boy from the South. He's not used to playing in inclement weather and frigid conditions. You know, he's not used to Cleveland in November and December. It's going to be cold. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It's going to be cold, fucked up weather. It's going to be below 40 numerous times. As soon as the calendar hits like late October, early November, it's going to be cold. So how does Deshaun Watson adapt to that? That remains to be seen, but like I said, the numbers are what they are. You're 0-3 in games where the temperature is less than 40 degrees. So it caught me by surprise because I, I really felt like he was going to go to either New Orleans, Atlanta, or Carolina. But even with that being said, there is no doubt this makes Cleveland a legitimate Super Bowl contender in that season. You had Deshaun Watson to a team that already has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. They just brought in Amari Cooper from Dallas. Jarvis Landry is a free agent. Now, with the news that Watson is going to be playing quarterback in Cleveland, he's probably going to resign. So you got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Amari Cooper, probably going to bring back Jarvis Landry. David Njoku is still there. Donovan Peoples-Jones. The offensive line is talented in Cleveland. The defense, you got Miles Garrett. Another elite pass rusher in the NFL. My man Jeremiah Owasu Kamora from Notre Dame had an excellent rookie season last year for Cleveland. Denzel Ward is over there. This is a good football team. They were the team I picked to go to the Super Bowl last season. And Baker Mayfield let me down. And the Browns underachieved and missed the playoffs entirely. But that roster, made no bones about it, that roster is loaded. They are ready to play football and compete for a championship right now. And you add Deshaun Watson to that mix. Now, who knows how he's going to look initially because he didn't play football at all last season. So that one year of inactivity, it remains to be seen how he's going to look. But I think it'll probably take him about three, four, five games to really get into football shape and really get up to speed. There's also... The potential suspension lingering over his head from the NFL commissioner because of his off-the-field problems. So that's something worth monitoring and keeping an eye on as well. But if he can, if he can play like, I don't know, 12 or 13 games, I mean, Cleveland's going to be a really good football team. And as I said earlier, that division is also going to be a dogfight, not quite to the level of the AFC West, but the AFC North won't be any slouches either. It's going to be ugly in that division. So because Deshaun Watson signed with the Cleveland Browns, he was pretty much the most important chess piece, domino, whatever you want to call it, on the board as far as quarterbacks are concerned, players in general, because the quarterback is the most important position in pro sports. A lot of teams were sitting back and waiting. Players, coaches, fans like myself, we're sitting back and playing the waiting game to see where Deshaun Watson's going to go because that's going to influence and dictate where other quarterbacks go. Does Atlanta trade Matt Ryan? Does Matt Ryan end up in Indianapolis? Does Baker Mayfield end up there? I doubt it because Indianapolis flat out said we want a more mature and mistake-free player at the most important position in all of sports. And that was the deciding factor in why they got rid of Carson Wentz because he's too liberal with the football in pivotal moments. Well, Baker Mayfield had more turnovers last year than Carson Wentz did. So, And the reports coming out of Cleveland was that he's childish. 
So I don't think Indianapolis is going to bring in Baker Mayfield. The Matt Ryan angle is certainly something worth paying attention to. Carolina needs a quarterback. New Orleans needs a quarterback. Atlanta potentially could need a quarterback if they move off of Matt Ryan. These other quarterbacks that are currently available are that mid to lower tier grade of quarterbacks, which brings me to Jimmy Garoppolo. You want to talk about a mid-grade, lower-tier quarterback? Well, the definition of that is Jimmy Garoppolo. Where does he end up at now? Because it's very complicated. He had a shoulder surgery a few weeks ago, about a little bit under a month ago, and it definitely pissed off a lot of Niner fans, myself included, as to why he didn't have that shoulder surgery sooner. That's gonna That really makes everything cloudy because – he can't throw from now until June or July at the, at the earliest. If you can't throw, that means you can't participate in off-season drills and OTAs and minicamp and all that shit. You can't go to a new team and develop and establish a rapport with that team and with your new teammates. You can't throw. You're, you're inactive throughout the entire springtime. So does another football team want to bring in a guy – who can't throw a football right now, coming off a shoulder surgery, and he has a $25 million price tag that you got to absorb if you bring him in, and he's not that good to begin with. I was confident. I don't mind, I don't mind saying this. I'll admit this. I was confident in thinking that the Washington Commanders or whatever the fuck they're called, the artists formerly known as the Washington Redskins, the team that plays in Landover, I thought they were going to make a deal to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo because I kept telling people it's going to take a stupid football team to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo into Washington, whatever the fucks, or the definition of a stupid football team that consistently made bad decisions. But they brought in Carson Wentz, who is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. So you take them off the board. All these spots are starting to fill up now. Washington found their quarterback. Cleveland found their quarterback, a replacement. Indianapolis still has a vacancy, but like I said, can you can you realistically bring Garoppolo in right now? Knowing his limitations, knowing the fact that he can't even throw a football right now. He's probably wearing a fucking sling or something. Knowing the price tag that he comes with, knowing that he's not that good. I said this on many podcasts throughout the NFL playoffs. The absolute worst thing that could happen to Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value and trade prospects for the San Francisco 49ers was for the 49ers to keep advancing throughout the NFC playoffs and continuing to play football so Jimmy Garoppolo could showcase his overall ineptitude to the entire world. The whole world saw this. 50 million, 45 million, 50 million people, whatever, per game against the Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, the L.A. Rams, 50 million people saw how shitty this dude is. They saw this guy struggle to complete passes. They saw this guy go two games in the the NFL playoffs without throwing a touchdown pass. They saw this guy have a completion percentage of 58.1. They saw that horrendous fourth quarter in the NFC Championship game versus the L.A. Rams where he completed three passes out of eight attempts for about 37 yards No touchdowns and one stupid ultimate Frisbee interception. People saw this. It's on record. It's on tape. It's the NFL playoffs. Everyone's watching. You can't hide in the playoffs. This is not 
the 4 o'clock East Coast, 1 o'clock West Coast window against the Cardinals and the Rams or the Seahawks in a game that only fans of those teams are watching. No, this is prime time. Everyone's watching this shit now, and everyone sees how shitty you are, how depressingly mediocre you are as a quarterback. There's a, there's a strong possibility Jimmy Garoppolo could still be on this football team when training camp starts. Is it going to be traded? You know, NFL Network, Ian Rappaport, who does a great job for NFL Network, he talked about at the earliest Jimmy might get traded next month during the NFL draft. If a team, because the draft is supposed to be light on quarterbacks this year, the prospects aren't looking that great as far as QBs are concerned. So a team might get desperate and decide to make a deal for a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo. If you want to sell him on his positives, you would say this is a guy who has played, when he's healthy, has gotten his team to at least the conference championship game. And that is true. Well, partially true. The team dragged him to the conference championship game. He was just there along for the ride. But he does have that on his resume. He does have that win-loss record when he does start and play football. He does have that to brag about. He can say, I was on the team when I, when I started, when I was healthy enough to play quarterback, we got at least to a conference championship game. And one time we got to the Super Bowl. Did he play well? No, not in that Super Bowl versus Kansas City and not in this conference championship game versus the Rams. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield – are overconfident and overvalue who they really are. I think both men are delusional. I think both men see themselves as being better quarterbacks than what reality dictates. You're not that good. You're somewhere at best in the middle of the pack, both Baker and Jimmy Garoppolo. You're somewhere between 15 and 23 in the NFL as far as caliber and quality of quarterbacks. You're just a guy. Everything else around you has to be awesome just so you can be decent. That's Baker Mayfield. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think the way Jimmy spoke in his exit interview at the end of the season where he talked about, you know, I want to go to a good team. I hope the the Niners take care of me. I want to go to a team that's ready to compete and make a playoff run and go to the Super Bowl and whatever. And I'm listening to this, and I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? What do you mean you hope they take care of you? They, are, they already took care of you. They gave you a five-year deal for $127 million off a five-game sample where you went, yes, you went 5-0, and oh, but you threw seven touchdown passes and five picks in that five-game sample. You weren't individually that good. You probably didn't deserve that contract. The Niners foolishly gave you all that money off a five-game sample where you threw five interceptions in that five games. And here you are sitting five years later with everything you've done since then, with 71 touchdown passes and 38 interceptions in five years. Your best season, 2019, you threw 27 touchdown passes and 13 interceptions. That's your best season. Still a two-to-one quarterback, the interception rate, touchdown to interception ratio. That's your best year, 27 to 13 and less than 4,000 yards passing. And today's NFL I'm listening to Jimmy speak at his post, his exit interview, and I'm like, who the fuck, the cheek of this guy, who the fuck does he think he is? I think they overplayed. He and his agent 
both overplayed their hands here. They thought that they were a viable commodity. They thought teams were going to be lining up at the door. The 49ers also overplayed their hands in this. The 49ers kept Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster for this season to showcase him and try to boost his profile and his trade value with the hopes of trading him somewhere else and acquiring at least a second-round draft pick. This is all stupid because you were offered a second-round draft pick a year ago by the New England Patriots before last year's draft when they selected Mac Jones. Before that draft, the Patriots were offering you a second-round draft pick, which is what the Niners gave up to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo in the first place in 2017. You could have gotten that pick back and then went ahead and drafted Trey Lance and played Trey Lance this season and let him develop and grow and groom him for success. Let him learn, take his lumps, his growing pains or whatever, but just watch him improve and get better on a weekly basis and be ready to hit the ground running for 2022. Now you have an air of uncertainty because Trey Lance has only played in two games. And he was impressive in the second half of that Houston game. And he showed some signs of life. He showed flashes in both games. Versus Arizona with a shitty game plan on the road. His first NFL start, his NFL debut against a, a team at that point that was undefeated. He, he showed plenty of promise. I like Trey Lance. Anyone who knows me, who listens to this podcast, should know that. I'm a Trey Lance fan, a Trey Lance supporter. But there's still more work to be done with him. He still could have been groomed a lot more. He still needs more on-the-field experience, more OJT, on-the-job training, and he could have gotten that this season if Jimmy Garoppolo was completely out the picture. But they chose to keep Jimmy Garoppolo in the fold and have him play and be the starter, thinking it was going to boost his trade value. It didn't work. And what happened? You didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo cost you another Lombardi trophy. You didn't really groom and develop Trey Lance on the field in real NFL games. Behind the scenes, yes, running scout team and all that shit. But he only played and started in two real games. Outside of that, it was a couple of gadget plays here and there. It was a wasted season, in my opinion. What did, what did the 49ers really accomplish this season? Yes, you got to the NFC Championship game. You didn't win. And you hung on to this decrepit awful, abysmal waste of a time of a quarterback. And what you get out of it? Nothing. You didn't win the Super Bowl, and he has no trade value. He's hurt now, like he always is. That's another issue with Jimmy. He's usually hurt, and he can't participate. He can't play football. He's usually fucked up. And now his shoulder is fucked up, and you can't trade him. And nobody wants damaged goods Jimmy Garoppolo. Regular-ass Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that good to begin with. Now you got damaged goods Jimmy Garoppolo. Who was going to make that deal? Who was going to make a trade with the 49ers to bring in damaged goods Jimmy Garoppolo? And oh, by the way, you got to pay him $25 million. And then you got the audacity to ask me for draft picks? <laughs> Fuck off, man. That's what teams are probably telling John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Fuck off. We ain't giving you a second, a third, or a fourth for that cocksucker. Maybe a fifth or a sixth. I have slowly come to the realization that overpaid Trevor Simeon, Jacoby Brissett with privilege, the less shittier version of Matt Castle, Lee Harvey Garoppolo, Jimmy Wilkes Booth, 
is either going to be on his team in training camp or the Niners at, at worst or at best, however you want to look at it, they're just going to have to cut him. They're just going to have to release Jimmy Garoppolo and avoid paying him more money. It hurts the team. He's hurting the team even in the offseason. We can't go out and acquire big-name free agents. All these other teams are bringing in big-time free agents, big blockbuster deals. What the Chargers are doing, what the, what the Broncos are doing. The Bills brought in Vaughn Miller. That's a big deal. We could use Vaughn Miller. We could use another pass rusher opposite of Nick Bosa. We could have used Chandler Jones, but he went to the Raiders. Other teams got money to spend. The 49ers don't. The Rams keep finding money. I don't know where. The, they got Allen Robinson. I forgot to mention that. The Rams brought in Allen Robinson. Where do the Rams keep finding money at? The Niners can't pull off shit like that. The Niners have not signed an impact free agent since Deion Sanders. And that was 28 years ago in 1994. That's the last time the 49ers brought in an impact free agent, a big name splash of a free agent. 28 years ago, Deion Sanders. And what happened when the Niners brought in Deion Sanders? They won the fucking Super Bowl. We can't bring in guys like that no more. And part of the reason we can't bring in guys like that anymore is because you're paying Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million a season, and then you got to save money to pay Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel once their rookie contracts expire. They're paying Garoppolo $25 million a season. Jimmy's the highest paid guy on the team and not even a top 10 player on the team. How does that work? That privilege is outstanding. You're not even a top 10 player on the roster, and you're the highest paid man on the roster. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Brandon Ayuk, Dre Greenlaw, Emmanuel Mosley. I can go down the list. There's a bunch of guys in that team better than him. Elijah Mitchell. All these guys are better at their position than Jimmy is at his and he's the highest paid guy on the team? That's, that's outrageous. That's completely outrageous. And it can't, get, it can't move this guy off the team. And it's, it's sickening to watch. Like I said, even in the offseason, he hurts the 49ers. Everything he does hurts the 49ers. The only two teams that I can see even entertaining making a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or either Indianapolis or Carolina, both teams who are completely destitute at quarterback. The Colts literally have nothing. The Panthers have Sam Darnold, so they also have nothing. And they they traded either a first or a second a year ago to bring in Sam Darnold. So they're another stupid football team. The Panthers could do it. But, I mean, Matt Rule's on the hot seat. Like, he needs to win now. He hasn't made the playoffs yet. In Carolina, he needs a winning season right now. I can see a guy like Jameis Winston being brought in. I don't know. There's other guys. Like I said, Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston, in my opinion, are both better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd rather have either Baker Mayfield or, or Jameis Winston. If you told me I could pick between those three quarterbacks, one, two, and three, Jimmy's third. I'm not. I'm not taking him <laughs> under any circumstances. If you really told me I had to pick between Jimmy Garoppolo and Jameis Winston and Baker fucking Mayfield, 
I'll take Jameis number one out of that list. I mean, now, I know people are going to jump me on that and say, well, Jameis is a turnover machine. He throws a lot of picks. First of all, last year in New Orleans, he cut down on those interceptions. He was playing good football before he blew his knee out last season with the, with the Saints. And at the same time, it's, it's not like Jimmy is known for taking care of the football either. I, I want a quarterback on my team that can, at the very least, make every throw in the playbook. He can throw that 15-yard out. He can throw that 20-yard corner. He can throw that 40-yard go route. Jimmy can't do that shit. With Jimmy, everything is across the, over the middle. Short, intermediate routes over the middle. That's it. With Jamison Baker, they can open up my entire playbook. I'd rather have that. If all three guys are turnover machines, I at least want a guy who can also give me big play potential. High risk, high reward. With Jimmy, it's high risk and no reward. At least with Baker and Jameis, they can hit a fucking 55-yard bomb down the field and score quickly. They can give you a big, explosive play. Jimmy ain't doing that. I'd rather have either Jameis Winston or Baker Mayfield. But if you're an executive in either Carolina or Indianapolis or maybe New Orleans, New Orleans could be a destination for Jimmy. I don't know. I just don't see it happening. The more likely scenario is I see him being released and the Niners are not going to get any additional draft picks out of it. And like I said, I think Jimmy overvalued himself because if he thought he was going to be traded and somebody's going to pick up his contract or the Niners are going to bring him back, because he still has one year left on his deal. And now you overplayed your hand because you're probably going to get released and you're not going to make $25 million anywhere else in the NFL. No one is going to sign free agent Jimmy Garoppolo to a deal and pay him $25 bucks to play football in that season. Everyone's seen how this guy plays. He's never going to see that amount of money ever again. For the rest of his career, he'll probably be a journeyman or a backup or a bridge quarterback, a placeholder, just like he was last year in San Francisco, a placeholder. A team drafts a young rookie quarterback, and they need Jimmy to play for a year while the rookie quarterback learns and develops and sits on the bench and holds a clipboard. That's the career trajectory I see for Jimmy Garoppolo. But as of right now, he's of no use and no value to the 49ers. And I got a bottle, a 1942 Don Julio, that I've been waiting to crack open. I've been waiting to enjoy this alcoholic beverage that cost me a pretty penny. It's not cheap. It's about a buck eighty for this Don Julio. It's good shit. I've been waiting to crack this bottle open and enjoy the contents of it. I was waiting to celebrate the departure of Jimmy Garoppolo and I was going to drink this Don Julio. So this asshole is keeping me from my Don Julio on top of everything else. I want my Don Julio. Get this motherfucker off my favorite football team. I could not be effusive enough in my overall disdain of Jimmy Garoppolo. It's time to go. It's been past time to go. It should have been gone before last season. Well, there it is. I mean, I, I digress on the Jimmy Garoppolo point. I went, you know, I go crazy about Garoppolo because he drives me crazy. But uh, NFL free agent frenzy, fiasco, fun times, phenomenal, fondue, falafel, Big time shit happening this week in the NFL, just kicking every other sport's ass. March Madness, all that shit doesn't even matter. 
compared to NFL offseason. I was glued to my TV screen watching NFL Network for about three consecutive days. I woke up every morning and put my TV on NFL Network and just, like I said, glued to the set. Couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next. It was always breaking news. This just in. Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Vaughn Miller to the Bills. Allen Robinson to the Rams. I'm like, God damn. Everything is happening right now. We're live in Denver, Colorado with Russell Wilson's press conference. We're live in Landover, Maryland with Carson Wentz's press conference, his introductory press conference to the Washington Degeneration X with his mustard hot dog colored suit on that he was wearing. It was just, it was a bonanza. It was craziness. And it was good TV. The NFL is like a soap opera for men. You know, women got young and the restless and bold and the beautiful and all that shit. Men, we got the NFL. That's our soap opera. There's storylines in abundance. Who's going to go where? Whose feelings got hurt? What players getting traded? Who's getting released? Who's getting drafted? That's around the corner. I mean, it's it's 24-7, 365, 12 months out of the year, all day, every day, twice on Sunday. The NFL never stops. It just keeps going and going and going. It never stops. Matt Stafford re-upped with the Rams today. Got a contract extension. Like I said, where the fuck are the Rams getting all this money? Do the Rams sell drugs on the side? Is that what's going on? Are the Rams drug dealers? Are they flipping bricks and kilos of coke for football players? Is that, is that what's going on with the Rams? Where do they keep finding all this goddamn money? They're like consistently under the cap. But they keep bringing people in. That's why I laugh at other at 49er fans who tell me, oh, we're under the cap. We can't do this. We can't do that. Well, once again, the reason we're under the cap, the reason we are strapped for cash is because of that asshole Garoppolo. We would have more money if he wasn't on the team. That's number one. But number two, the salary cap at this point is a myth. Teams just spend money. If you want somebody, go get them. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's an arms race. It's competition all year long, during the season, off-season, whatever. Every day in the NFL is a competition. You're at war with the other 31 teams to get better. And if you're not adding on and getting better, you're going to be left behind. The 49ers are a good football team, but these other teams are improving on a daily basis. They're also good football teams, and they keep adding more people. The Browns, like I said, Good roster. You just add Deshaun Watson to that mix. The Broncos, good roster. You bring in Russell Wilson. The Chargers were already good. You bring in Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. You can't just stand pat and rest on your laurels. You got to be active and aggressive in the NFL offseason. This is where the league is at right now. And it's, like I said, just fun as shit to watch and fun to talk about. So with all that being said, this concludes this edition of the Dion Gordon podcast. Eternally grateful, always humble, very much appreciative. Until next time, picture me rolling. I'm out.